Welcome to Drinks at Work from Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. We're back after a big couple of weeks, and I'm back with a request for you. I'm keen to play around with and, I guess, evolve the format of Drinks at Work over the next few months, perhaps extending the remit of the show a bit. So I'd be keen to hear your feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to hear more of, perhaps what you'd like to hear less of. So you can email me on sam at boothview.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, this episode is the first time I think that I've interviewed a double act for the show. My guests on this episode are Nick Winter and Pete Hollins from Frog's Hollow Saloon in Brisbane. And I'm talking to them because late in May, they won two awards at the Boothby Best Bars Queensland event. They took out not just the best new bar Queensland presented by Patron Tequila, but also the biggest award for the night, landing at number one on the top 30 and winning the title of the best bar in Queensland presented by Giffard Liqueurs. It's a huge achievement for the bar, which also played host to the awards. I recorded this interview with Nick and Pete a week after the event, and they've got some great advice on opening a bar of one's own. They talk about the three pillars that they structure their business around, which are systems, service, and culture. And they talk about how that allows the bar to be a little loose whilst also maintaining a really high standard of service that really created something special up there in Brisbane. But before we get into the chat, and whilst I'm on the topic of the Boothy Best Bars Awards, we held a big event for the New South Wales edition of the awards last week at Jolene's in Sydney. You can see the photos and the full top 50 list on boothby.com.au now. And I'm hoping to have a little bit more news about what's in store and which state the awards are going to go to next very soon for you. Okay, let's get into my chat now with Nick Winter and Pete Hollands. Peter, Nick, uh, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work from Boothby. Oh, thanks for having us, mate. What's up, big dog? <laughs> it's nice to see you both again. Um, congratulations again on picking up uh, a couple of awards last week at the Boothby Best Bars Queensland Awards. You got one for Best New Bar and uh, Best Bar in Queensland. Uh, what was that like? How does that feel? Man, it was bl- blown away, to be 100% honest. Like, as, you, as you'll see from the photos, Peter and I are running around and looking a little bit grubby because we were in, in the dish pit at the time and we're just like, this, just say frogs? <laughs> we're just like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, come out and grab it. But uh, honestly, a, a massive honour and obviously great to be voted from from the hospitality scene up here as well. So I was working away clean glasses and I was thinking, we're going down to like top, te- top 10. I'm like, oh, cool, at least we'll do it. We'll get a quick clap and then I'll be back to work because we're fucking running out of everything. And... Um, <laughs> And then we got to two and I was, then it was, I think Maker was two. And I was like, oh, I was like, initially I was like, oh shit, I'm going to stop working for like, like, like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was assuming we're in the top 30, of course. Yeah. We, we may not have <laughs> just been. made the assumption. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that was a pretty safe, safe bet to make. Well, yeah. Thank you for having us there that, that night. It was a great night. I think everyone enjoyed it. We had a great time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Pete, what's your bartending origin story? How'd you get into the business? Uh, I started at Biblos, which a lot of uh, people did here in Brisbane. Uh, with the Ganim Group, um, uh, a lot of big names went through there. Uh, I was there for about six, seven months, and I moved out to Melbourne for a couple of years. Um, yeah. I did a um, place like 1806, um, O2V, Bomba, and then came back up here with the ambition to move to New York. I was going to just like get there a tourist visa, go work for tips, make a bunch of friends, and assume someone would sponsor me. And then <laughs> fucking annoyingly enough, I got a really good job at the Gresham. I was like, well, I guess I'll stay here for a bit. And then I just kept staying there. And then we won uh, by the year twice there. And I was like, well, I'll go next year. I'll go next year. And then I, get a, then I got, met, 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 met this girl. And that's she's my wife now. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Um, and then I got a job with Bacardi. And I was like, oh, oh, uh, but then uh, I think once I got a job in Picardy, I was like, well, I guess I'm staying here. Um, right. I was with them for a couple of, uh, couple of years and uh, and then quit during lockdown to come back to hospitality. Just, uh, uh, 
I think I saw saw the like the end stages of what advocacy and where it would where it would go, and mm. I decided that you know like hospital like I like the hospitality side the most more than the business side, so it was an easy choice to come back. Yeah, and and Nick, what about was what's your story there? Uh, I actually started out in, in the restaurant scene. I worked for um, a resort in Cradle Mountain Lodge. It's now Pepper's Cradle Mountain, but it wasn't at the time. Uh, I was there for the handover and everything, which was awesome fun. Uh, but I was actually an academic. I was at university doing a double degree, and I was quite young at university and realized that I wanted a bit of life experience. Uh, that was up here in Brisbane. So I actually moved down to Tasmania, Cradle Mountain, started working in restaurants there and just fell in love with the energy, like working in kitchens and on the floor, just, you know, the pressure, the heat, all the fun, everyone having a good time, throwing shit at each other, but then you change your face onto the floor. <laughs> everything, and like, everything up until about throwing shit at each other. I was like, is that your bedroom experience, mate? The heat, the intensity, the pressure. Then we throw shit at each other. <laughs> oh, dear. <What>? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just that, um, you know, I just I fell in love with the energy of it and I thought it was amazing. Uh, I worked at that lodge for five years and then moved up to uh, Broad. Oh, sorry, the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah. I was running Moomoo's, the bar for Moomoo's on the Gold Coast for about a year and then moved down to um, Melbourne and started working for some amazing companies in Melbourne and I just fell in love with the entire industry. It was just awesome. Everyone in here is so intelligent but they're also so great at just having a good time, you know, which is a perfect combination. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about, for people who haven't been there, uh, what, what is Frog's Hollow Saloon all about um, and what's the quick sort of, how, how did that place come to life? I was a bit confused about like what like I wasn't be sure how to summarize it, but Dave Robertson. So it's me, myself, Nick, and Dave Robertson, who's our third uh, third owner, based up in Darwin from Hot Tamale uh, and Snapper Rocks, and a few other joints up there. Um, he put a post up when we won. He's like, you know, slight, you know, uh, was it a fun, slightly loose, elevated uh, bar? I was like, that's perfect. Slightly loose, I'd say a bit more than slightly. It's like, you know, sl- you know slightly plus loose. Um, slightly plus. Yeah, <laughs> an elevated uh, cocktail bar, which I think is probably a perfect example. Uh, yeah. We're like, we've got country music playing all the time, um, and we I don't think we originally planned to be country specific, but we started mm. that, and people loved it. So we're like, well, fuck it, we'll just follow that down the rabbit hole. And now there's um, there's saddles hanging from the roof. There's a wagon wheel. I've mounted it myself. Don't stand under under it for too long. If you do come here, um, and uh, yes, and then we got everyone's got their own Akubras. So um, mm. it's, it's a it's a theme that I haven't seen anywhere else in Australia. Like I'd say the closest might be Shadies, but that's American country, which we we're, I suppose we're like more Australian country. Uh, right. Okay. It provides a good medium ground where we get punters coming in and having forex goals or and the same time you're making a manhattan um and i think that's a, a goal a lot of bars have have have, have had mm. over the last few years i've always heard oh, you we do everything from here to here yeah um, a bit of high and low right yeah and yeah. Uh, i think it's a good goal for a lot of bars to have and so you know that's something we went to with, with him in, in mind really steering to yeah and like one of the things that you'll find when you come here as well as our service i think our service is just a lot more intense than other venues in the city that you'll find like our guys are here to and that's not service as in we're going to sit there and talk to you about every detail of the menu we'll do that if you ask but it's not what we're aiming for we just want everyone walking in the door to be treated awesomely have a great time and just really have an experience when they come into the venue yeah what do you what do you think has is is that what do you think has driven the popularity of frogs over this like first year in business I'd say there's a couple there. There's a physical layout. I think is something that like very appealing. It's very appealing. Just yeah. the one big long bar that you can w- walk up to. Um, that's a bar service as opposed to table service. I think something that uh, makes us stand out a little bit, and especially yeah. being bartender voted um, with the Boothie Awards. A lot of bartenders they want they, that's that's what they're looking for. 
Um, so, you know, it's great. We love winning awards and, and we, and, you know, and it was a great honor. But obviously, you know, customers don't always, want, don't always want the same thing as bartenders want. But I yeah. think if you get the tick of approval from the FOSPO, then you're definitely going in the right direction. And I think physical layout is one thing that we've done really well. Yeah. Uh, and then partnered with the service because you want to, once you get to the bar, you want to be served well and have a chat, uh, which is what we provide. And we also have a very notable hospitality-based team. So obviously, you know, you've seen our team and like everyone comes from different areas of hospitality, but they're all a fucking legendary in their own in their own rights. And I think that's created our atmosphere a lot more as well. Yeah, how, how did you pull that team together? Because I think it's probably one of the best in the country right now. <laughs> uh, well, not gonna lie, it's, it's a lot of poaching. <laughs> <laughs> they came to us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's go through. Uh, uh, Martin came to us. Um, he, Martin McConnell. He was Martin McConnell came to us. Um, then Liam was is like his best mate, which we thought Liam they were Murphy. They hilariously right. looked the same as well. <laughs> yeah, um, there, there's definitely a likeness there. One's just Scottish, and he was working at Agnes, where just I worked for a few months when we were building the place. And uh, I was like, hey, you're a ledge. And then he he also asked. I was like, yeah, of course. We got uh, Liam on, which was great. We got the, we got the, we got the set with them. Um, <laughs> and then Magnus Law, I used to work with um, at the Gresham back in the day. And yeah. he, was a, he's, he went off to be to get out of hospitality to, to uh, pursue a trade. Uh, and I knew he wasn't loving it. So I was like, that's – I was just like a little wrapped up. Like, I was like, hello, Magnus. Put my claws back in you. Um, <laughs> Lily was That's great. A good hire. Was, Lily's obviously an awesome little around the town bartender. And when Pete and I were working at the Gresham, she'd be there all the time having a couple of beers and a couple of whiskeys. And when mm. she heard that we were opening up a venue, she kind of reached out as well. And that kind of processed into that. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, um, we had Tiago at the time who I worked with in the Speakeasy group. Uh, Tiago is the only team member that we've, um, has moved on from the bar since we've opened. And that's yeah. just, he, he went on to do something else after it was about nine months. Yeah. So, yeah. Nine months to a year. Yeah. Uh, before he just moved on in his Cafe career. Cafe more morning stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, some just like amazing people. And I think it was the, the promise of a good product that really got them going. Yeah. I think for being open for 14 months to only have like an attrition weight of one is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we work hard to keep the guys engaged. Um, we do, um, it was meant to be every month. There was every, uh, we did every month and then we went to every quarter. Now every six months we do our one-to-ones where we talk to the guys about, um, we have like our pillars of success within the business. Right, um, okay system, service, culture. And then yep. we also um, really push them to have a range of goals. So we have internal goals and external goals. Um, and things like um, Martin and Liam recently uh, did their 86 club based in, uh, mm. in Brisbane with two other bartenders from Brisbane, um, Andy Bully and Blade Deegan. Um, and that was something that they wanted to work on. So we were doing a bit of coaching with them around how to manage brands, how to manage brands, how to get how to get promotional stock, uh, yeah. how to cut the deal with the venue to make it worthwhile both ways. Um, and yeah, then like- a professional little sort of outfit that they put on. Like the, the design was great. Like yeah. the social campaign was pretty cool. I didn't teach me that. That was all that. They're all over okay, that. right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just more the nitty gritty little details that there were like a couple of questions came up that we could help with along yeah. the way. Sure. And then there was a good one was like uh, Magnus's one when he first started his internal world. No, not sure anything. That's, that's nothing that sexy. Don't worry. He's like, oh, I love bourbon. I want to be more involved in like the bourbon selection, right? Which he's taken over. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that, we uh, won a trip to Kentucky uh, through Angel's Envy late last year. And because he had put his hand up and saying, I love the bur- I love bourbon, we sent him on that trip. He's actually there. He just got to Louisville today. Just landed. Yeah, literally like an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's pretty good. There's so, so there's some definite perks there. Can you talk to me just a little bit more about what's involved in each of those three pillars? What were they again? 
uh, system, service, and culture. So systems, they, that focuses around how we do things in the venue. So it might yeah. be as simple as how the bar gets set up or how the tills work or anything along those lines. And we have a when we have our one-to-ones, we talk about how they're operating the systems from our opinion, and then they comment on the systems and if there's any changes they think could be made to those along the way as well. And it could be as simple as like, I think that's where a lot of like issues in venues arise where shit just not, not, doesn't fucking work and never gets fixed or yeah. like a fridge isn't working or the light is out or it could be really simple stuff like that or it could be like, hey, the, I need more time to set up or we're not closing well enough or things like that and they just it gets out and we will wrap back around after that with team meeting with any changes which have a lot with not like especially when we first opened there was a lot of feedback there but now yeah. we're a year and a bit in it doesn't really there's not much in that much, not much, uh, changes. much in that because everything is running pretty smoothly um then we got uh, system service is how we talk to the guests, um, yeah. which is um, incredibly important. It's just yeah. obviously something just to keep touching base with. I think yeah. one of the things in the industry is when you leave it untouched for a long time and you don't talk about service for a long time, people can get a little bit stale. They can start getting a little bit grumpy talking down to guests. Our guys obviously don't do that, but we just like to if make they sure they fucking that, did. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we like to make sure that the conversation's being had just in case something does come along there. And also, you know, it is little touches like, oh, I think we could be, you know, uh, watering all our tables now, or we could be like throwing napkins down for every drink, just little things. It's something that can be brought up in the service structure of it yeah. as well. Yeah. And just ideas for the, for the staff to bring to us to implement Very as well. Nice, um, yeah. Yeah. No, that was it. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Culture's the other way. That's us talking to each other. So how do we get along as a team? How do we work in the venue? You know, like I can't think of a good example right now because our culture's pretty awesome. Everyone seems to get along really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's important just like, even things like, um, Culture is a tough one, and, and, and all those points are all very personal. Um, so it's just a good opportunity for us to say, hey, is there anything that culturally that's bothering you that we can work on? And it's mm-hmm. a good feedback for us as well. Like we're also – we're not perfect. Uh, so it's good for the guys to give us feedback in a setting where it's really – it's structured so they feel they're yeah. to give that feedback. Um, and also it keeps it keeps this sort of like like little itty-bitty shit out from the day-to-day. It gives it a time and place and because if you let it go the day-to-day, it then becomes uh, insidious within the, within the day-to-day. Bitches um, and it grows. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you have one time, you go, hey, here's the time. Let's get through it. Uh, and then it all comes out. Then we have a meeting and then we cover it all off and then we move on. Right. So for a bar that has been described as, you know, a slightly loose kind of joint, <laughs> it almost sounds like a real business here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the, means, the reason you can be slightly loose is that you cover off the shit and uh, the yeah. the rest of the stuff, uh, because you know, especially if you get if people are getting yeah, nice a bit you know a bit warm 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 and fuzzy on shift, then you know think that's where things can go awry. And so it's good to it. have those covered off in a in a more uh, business like manner. Mm. Um, Pete, your time as a BA for Bacardi, what what did you take from that time? Because it's a, a job that like lots of bartenders like kind of want to have on their career at some point at time. What was it from about that role that you really enjoyed and take with you today into what you're doing at Frogs? I'd say um, business acumen. I remember when I first sat down with my old boss when I first started, he's like, let's work on your business acumen. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, it's like little things. It wasn't even – it definitely like – getting out into a BA role, I think I actually fell behind like current trends and like how like new, because you're all very focused on your set brands, right? Yeah. Um, and you've got your got like little specific goals within the hospitality community, yeah. which you're focusing on. Um, so I actually had to catch up on it in terms of bartending when I came back. But what I feel I brought was things like the system service culture, um, the even things like 
setting meetings, negotiating deals, um, uh, managing uh, workflow, all these things that you don't have to do as a bartender, which yeah. you do as a business owner. So just being able to conduct myself in business professionally was a big one um, that I think I took over everything else. Mm. Do, do you think that bartenders need to be looking at sort of BA roles to get that kind of experience or, or are there other places they can sort of get that experience? I think it really helps. Like it's, it's tough. What are you going to do if you want to uh, leave the industry? But there's a lot of really good like part-time BA roles. Um, right. I think it's, a, it's folly to think that like there's a lot of BA roles. Uh, there's some like the really big ones, the really chunky ones. They're fantastic roles. Um, but there's, and they're the ones you can go, you leave, leave bartending for, right? There's some great little part-time ones, which I would encourage people to do. And I think it gives a lot of people some insight into what being a BA actually is like. Like you get a bit of pressure on on how much you're selling or what you know, how much you're activating or or if you've got ranging in venues. Um, and you go, oh, that's, oh, that, I don't like that. Oh, please, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you can actually get through the door and and learn a bit about the, the business acumen side of things. Um, I think also people f- have not forgotten, but it's important to look for mentors within the industry. Um like there's some really these big venues where they're all very shiny and new and, and they've got the big names, but you don't work closely enough with the person who's making the choices. Right. I think if you can't learn more than just bartending and whiskey and cocktails, then you're in the wrong spot if you want to do this long-term professionally. Yeah, you need to add more strings to the bow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what, what are the bars that made you the you know the operator that you are today? Are there any... Any ones in particular that really stand out for you that taught you things that you bring into the business now? Yeah, very much so. Um, over the years, I've worked for lots of venues. I've done a lot of consulting over my time as well. Um, some of the biggest venues, that, like, probably the biggest one I learned from was my first job down at Cradle Mountain, just because when you work in a resort, you're kind of across all different areas of hospitality. So you're a bartender, yeah. you're a waiter, you're stocking up the breakfast buffet, you're doing dishes in the kitchen. So just that universal kind of uh, experience at the start was amazing. Uh, yeah. Resorts can be very, can get frowned upon or not frowned upon, but just looked down upon an in industry sometimes because they are quite like universal across it. But I think they're awesome, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, okay. um, I've also worked with some amazing groups like the Rockpool group and the Speakeasy group uh, down in Melbourne. <sighs> Took Taken away from that is obviously just the customer facing side of things. Speakeasy with their whole immersive vibe and their sort of, um, you know, theatrics behind all their serving is, is really fun and really engaging. Uh, the Rockpool group, they really like focused on just looking after the clientele, putting them first, customer comes in the door, customer gets everything they want. Um, yeah. So taking little bits away from that. I've also worked um, for you know, some bars and operators that I haven't gotten along with before. And I think it's really important to people for people to realize that there's a lot to learn from that as well. Like you can work for a company and you can see the way that they're doing things and you might not agree with it, but just fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> like do it and learn why you don't like doing it that way. If and Magnus just- is listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, like always learn something from a place that you're at. Like you've taken a job, get, get the experience from that job that you want and really just like take everything away from it that you personally believe in. You don't have mm. to believe in everything they're doing. But it helps if you do, obviously. Yeah, well, you're not going to agree 100% all the time with whatever no. the direction of a bar is, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, hey, Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you guys are on a winning formula at the moment, you know. It's two years, two years down the track from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> burn down. Yeah, burn down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be um, in jail. Nick will be dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
Plus, Nick did. Yes, uh, it's always going to happen that way. He killed me. He killed me. Well, it's a good little view into the future there. How easy is it for bartenders in Brisbane to be able to go on and open bars of their own? Because I had a had a chat with Millie Tang, who won uh, Person of the Year in Queensland, and, and she was saying there's you know some licensing difficulties that sort of can stop people from opening bars, but you guys have just done it. Um, I think it's it's not as difficult as people think. It's just not as common. Um, like, for example, you've got before and after around the corner, number 11 in the Boothby Countdown, as George, and he, like, he, I helped George out a little bit with, like, the process, and right. we didn't know the process, and we got help from Dave with the process, right? And so I yeah. think that's what, because there aren't as many owner-operators here passing that knowledge down, because there's no handbook to do it. Um, mm. Obviously, there's a money side. You need a bit of help. We need to have saved up. Um, mm. But you can do it on less than you think. Um, can, you Would you sort of ballpark a figure here? What's, like, the... The least that you'd be able to do it on, do you think? Um, oh, uh, it, it really, yeah, I'd say 50. It, 50. It really depends 50? if you're up with people as well. You know, like yeah. if you're going to We didn't do it. We did it on more, a lot more than 50. We did a lot more. Yeah, we did a lot more. But, it, but could, it can be done. It can be done. Um, and yeah. and the good thing about the, the smaller the smaller you put in, the faster you get return, right? Obviously, you've got to, you're assuming that uh, you, you're going to make money, which if you're a good operator, if you're a good bartender, a good bar manager, you should be running bars that make money and understand how that's done. Yeah. Um, and then if you're there all the time, you know, being able to serve the customers directly makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I think it, I was talking to one of the lads down at um, uh, Dr. Gimlet just a few months ago and he's like, how, what's the process? And I said, well, this is the process and it's actually uh, not as difficult as you think. It just takes the, the biggest key, and this is something I said to George, is like no one's going to do it for you. No one's yeah. gonna hold your hand, and start doing it. If there's a problem, you just gotta start doing it. Like you gotta, let's say, you save up 20k. You find someone to give you, like, obviously, if that's a big question, right? You find you find a way to get 50k, and then you go, right? I need to find a place. I need to get town planning. I need to get a liquor license. I need to find a builder or do it myself. Um, but no one else, no one's gonna do that process for you. You've got to do it. Mm. And I think it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I, I'll just keep bartending, and maybe something will work out for me. I'll just keep making drinks or it's not going to happen. You need to do it yourself. And I yeah. think one of the other best things that you can do is it's really just ask for help. Like if yeah. you, if like we all know someone that owns a bar because we all work in bars, like yeah. go ask an owner, like what was the process? Like, do you have 20 minutes or half an hour to sit down and just, this is my plan. Can you tell me where it might go wrong? Can you tell me what I'm missing? You know, those little things. And, they're going to come back with feedback, but there's still probably going to be something along the process that you're going to discover you forgot yeah. and you're going to have to jump in and get it sorted straight away. Because yeah. like Pete said, no one's there to do it for you. Uh, we're very fortunate with the two of us and Dave that we all just like sat down, smashed out a huge list, kept going. And then we were just, Pete and I were here every day shoveling bricks and building the bar and putting yeah. it in frames. And yeah. we were just every day looking working at Monday, it like, Working six, like 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then both working weekends. Doing yeah. service. Uh, doing service. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's like you put it, you got to put in a lot of hard work. You can't just go, I've got the money now. I don't want to do service anymore. I'm going to step back and do this. If that's yeah. your mentality, you probably shouldn't be opening a bar. It should be like, I've got this. I want to push forward and work harder to make something beautiful from it. I actually asked, I remember I sat down with Andrew Baturo, who's partner at the Gresham uh, and the Dapp and Co group. Yeah. Uh, and before, I'd, before I'd even met Nick uh, and before we even talked to Dave, um, I sat down with him. I was like, how do you do it? And he took like a couple of hours out of his day to um, like show me through his process, uh, right. which is really good of him. So yeah, yeah right. was probably that's the, that's the how to do it. Start, yeah. Just go find someone with a bar that's successful. Be like, yo, how the fuck does this work? And I, if they don't want to help you, they're a flog. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything that you did before you met with uh, Andrew Baturo to get his advice or to, to learn from him? Did, did you prepare beforehand? Because obviously you, did, you don't want to go and waste these guys' time. I think I did. I can't remember what it was, but I remember like after walking out, realizing everything I'd done was completely wasted. Um, <laughs> it was like not useful at all. Um, uh, so, but that's, yeah. but that's something you learn anyway, right? That's, that's a yeah, good I, yeah, thing. I realized I'd started a completely wrong step. Uh, and there's like, for I understand the, like the step, like the order of the steps is probably the biggest lesson. Like I remember we did a whole bunch of things out of order and I was talking to another mate who's trying to build a bar at the moment and, and they didn't get, the builder sorted before they signed the lease. And so now they've, they've, they've finished their rent free period and they haven't got a builder started yet. So they're paying rent. Oh, right. So it's like to understanding that the order you need to get things done and not have not realized you don't need to rush through it. Like it's, you can push things back. It's okay to be delayed. Mm. Okay. Um, last question for you boys. Uh, what is it that makes you happy in bars? What are the things you look for? Like on a, I guess on an operational level, but also on like a an emotional level. What are the places that you really make you happy when you're sitting at the bar? Uh, it's the big warm welcome. Like that's the biggest thing for me when I walk into a place. If I walk in and someone's just addressed you straight away, like, "Oh, hey guys, how you doing?" and then they're back into making drinks or whatever. Like that's one of the biggest things where I automatically feel like, "Oh, this might be a cool place to hang out." Yeah. Uh, like you've got the offering as well. Like you sit down and look at the menu. Like. Everyone, as bartenders, we know what we want to drink. Most of the time for me, it's a shot of bourbon and what beer's on tap. And then I'll ask the bartender, like, what's what's your favorite drink on the menu? Just throw it at me. Like, I don't give a shit what it is. It's a little yeah. bit easier serving bartenders like that sometimes than regular people. Yeah. Um, so, Civilians. And also, like, a big thing for me is lighting in venues. Like, I hate bright lights. I hate white lights as well. So I love to walk into a space and feel like warmth and a glow and, you know, just like a little bit of darkness because that's really what we're in for and just that whole sort of aspect if of it. If you can't get felt, felt up onto the table that anyone's Yeah, saying, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. just touched on there, but my one is not so much about offering. I don't really care about people's offering. I'm going to get a beer and a shot anyway. Um, yeah. uh, and I also don't – I don't necessarily need the big warm welcome either as long as I get some chat at the bar. But for me, uh, music, lighting, aircon – can, at least candles. We have something called a red alert here. And so if there's a candle that's on there, it's a fucking red alert. Holy shit. The most important thing to us. More than that's that's the priority. Like, you might have someone who's intox, gotta light that candle. I'll put a cocktail down and go over and light a candle. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like it's if you gotta buy and half the candles are uh, unlit, it's like they might as well put half the fucking chairs up. Yeah. It's like yeah. just be close. Just yeah. be close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, music, lighting, aircon, and candles. And the other big thing for me as well is if the venue's actually open. Like I can't stand it when people advertise their close times and then you get there and they've closed oh. it because it was quiet. Just if you've got a close time, that's when you close, stay it's, open. It's the most basic thing in the world, right? Because if, if pe- people come and you're closed when you're meant to be open, they're going to assume you're always fucking closed. Exactly. They're not coming back. And we're a little bit – like we're not too far away from the hub, but we are in a little bit of a dead town of the city. So when people walk here, you know, the doors need to be open for them when it's told it's going to be open. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. And congratulations again on the on the double win up there in Brisbane last week, guys. Uh, really appreciate you hosting us as well. Um, and all the best for the future. Thanks, man. Thank you very much, man. We'll catch you later, buddy. Thanks to Pete and Nick for the chat. Thank you to you for listening. If you enjoyed this chat, please share it with a friend or a work colleague. I'd love your help in spreading the word about the podcast. And a reminder, I'd love to hear your feedback about the show and what you'd like to hear more of. You can get in touch on email via sam at boothby.com.au. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.